Hello, I'm Fenella Saunders, Managing Editor of American Scientist magazine. The following is a Q&A style interview taken from American Scientist's first Google Hangout on the air. In this Google Hangout, we talked with Professor Dr. Peter Gruss, President of the Max Planck Society, a nonprofit research organization that has promoted research at its own institutes since 1948. In this discussion, Dr. Gruss talks about the need to grow basic research, the pluses and minuses of using grants as the main source of support for researchers, the role of business funding in science, the importance of multidisciplinary collaborations, the need to support women in science careers, and the gains created by communicating science well to the general public. We hope you enjoy the discussion. I think maybe how we could start is just if you could give a little bit of background about the Max Planck Institutes themselves. Would you mind just doing a little summary? Well, the Max Planck Society is running about 84 institutes, uh, most of them in Germany, but not exclusively in Germany. We are present in other countries as well, like Italy, like Holland, like Luxembourg, uh, and in particular in the United States and Florida. Mm -hmm. Our goal, our mission is to do basic research at top standard, at the cutting edge. And this is maybe best uh, demonstrated by way of our 17 Nobel Prize laureates after the war and 15 before the war, so 32 Nobel Prize laureates. And if you consider our relatively small size, uh, it just exemplifies that our main goal is investing in people, give those people freedom to do research in full autonomy, and then uh, hope that they basically use the stable funding we provide to do cutting-edge research and go completely new venues. Yeah, actually, that was a question I wanted to talk to you about, was this focus that the institutes have on basic research and the fact that you will actually close institutes once that field has been more established in academia. I was wondering if you could talk about this focus on basic research because it's actually been kind of a hard sell in the United States in the last few years to get people to fund basic research versus applied research. Mm -hmm. It actually shouldn't. Uh, a society in, like the United States or in Germany is dependent on new knowledge and uh, new knowledge in order to fuel actually also economic development. And if you look at the basic principles and also differences of basic research versus applied research, both are integral elements of an innovation chain. Mm -hmm. uh, basic research is supposed to come up with new technologies, new platforms that actually come, that provide breakthrough innovations, while applied research is more for incremental innovations. Uh, the last one is market-driven, the first one is technology-driven, but you need both. And if you look at the products that you and my society are selling around the world in order to make our society be, uh, you know, productive and uh, live well uh, of, of, of the, the tax income uh, as, a, as a society as a whole, uh, these are integral elements. And uh, the question, so one cannot discuss, and there are multiple studies that actually show the higher technologically evolved a society is, the more investment has to flow into basic research. So it's not a matter uh, if, it's a matter how much you uh, support basic research. Uh, so I'm, I'm a bit surprised that it's a hard sell. It's a hard sell only because it's much easier 
to explain to the lay people and maybe also to the politician uh, what uh, applied type of research does. Why? Because it's short term. But if you look at the essential, what, what basic research delivers, I think it's amazing. And there's a wonderful comparison, by the way. If you uh, would add up all accomplishments of the MIT graduates that have left MIT in terms of funding new companies, uh, for example, this would make up the 17th largest economy in the world. So while the applied research that MIT does within their institute is comparatively very little. The income of MIT is about 50 to 70 million US dollar a year. Now compare this to the investment of probably about, I would say, roughly 2 billion per year annually in, 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 in research funding. There's no comparison. So what am I saying? One really has to uh, be careful if we compare the economic value because the economic value of basic research is at the same time a macroeconomic value and a microeconomic value. I think that there's sort of some cultural shifts in the United States that have made it harder for just because of, you know, budget downturns and things like that for people to actually get more funding for basic research here. Which is true, but I think it has to be corrected. Mm -hmm. uh, if the United States want to uh, stay on top of also entrepreneurship, of startups, of new uh, companies and drive uh, new directions, I think what it really takes is a, is a, is a, a better financing of the basic research unit. And, you know, when I talk to my colleagues here in the United States, currently they suffer. A lot of them suffer, in particular also young people. I do not think that this can be good for U.S. economy in the, in the long run. Mm -hmm. Scientists in this country, even in academia, are often forced to constantly pursue grants to fund their research. They may not even get a salary from the university. Basically, they're being forced to be business people as well as scientists. And I'm wondering how you think this might impact science in the long run as well as who enters the field. Let's say, what is the good part about it? The good part about it is that it's competitive. You pick the best, now comes the point, proposal. What's the bad part about it? The bad part about it is, if you write a proposal, this proposal necessarily has to be in the mainstream of research, because otherwise, your peers would not accept it. So by reducing science funding to applications, to grants, means at the same time, to a large extent, there are always exceptions, but to a large extent, you're reducing research to mainstream research. And you will not get, as you need, the odd man out. You will not get you know, directions that are surprising, that come from a completely different direction. Uh, and this is something which I don't think uh, is, is, is good for a system. Uh, it has to be balanced out. So the, the, the consequence of that is an ideal system, to my mind, has a, a, a good, solid basal level funding as well as a competitive funding on top of it. 
Mm -hmm. Do you think that scientists, um, when they are undergoing training for their PhDs, are given the right kind of training and tools to be able to write grants in, in the level they're going to need to in this sort of system? Or do you think there needs to be additional training? If they want to continue in science uh, and have a, a, a good career, they need to learn how to apply and they need to be successful. Uh, how to write and successfully compete for grants and in particular federal grants. So this seems to be an integral element of the system of the scientific funding system in the United States. So one needs this training and the earlier you get this training the better it is. Do you think that um, the kind of people who are willing to spend a lot of their time competing for grants um, are maybe different than, you know, the sort of pool of people who would enter science in the past if they were guaranteed, you know, a university position or, or that would fund them? Do you think, think that it changes people? Yes, I think uh, it has changed uh, so much that universities literally have or do not spend enough money on uh, their uh, scientists and their professors uh, and indeed expect that uh, not all but some of but many of them uh, expect that they bring their own salary via a good uh, you know percentage of it by means of the grant I, I don't think this is a is a sound system one should have a certain level of security uh, one should have a certain level of stable funding in order to do research in very risky areas and on top of this you could always have this competitive element. Mm -hmm. In the last week or two there was a paper in Nature, a peer review, or actually an op-ed paper talking about statistics of business funded scientific research and how it didn't impact the quality of research. What did you have any thoughts on that? Well, after all, and this, this was behind your questions, how can we show to society that uh, basic research has an added value? And one uh, way to document that is that in many areas which you do in basic research, uh, you can also come up with ideas or hypotheses what the end result could mean for industry. Let's say in biotech for sure, in material science for sure, and many other areas where there is top basic research very close to application. So obviously here in those fields, uh, or IT, uh, here in those fields, the industry is a, is a valid partner and uh, we, we are discussing ourselves in the Mark Planck Society how to interact with industry without giving up our mission as, as, as far as basic research is concerned. And I can tell you from, and I'm very convinced, there are ways and there are uh, models uh, of interaction that allow a good partnership, a productive partnership with industry without compromising our original goal because the institutes that you have cover so many different topics, do you try to encourage more multidisciplinary um, interaction between your scientists and do you think that's important for the advancement of basic science? I think this is one of our key principles. There is hardly an institute, actually very few, which are not interdisciplinary. We actually go very broadly from humanities into the into sciences and we have many institutes that document this, be it anthropology for example, uh, evolutionary biology, be it the latest one which I always like to quote, empirical aesthetics, where we bring together artists or rather scientists who study art with neuroscientists or psychologists in order to ask the question 
how can we interpret in, in true scientific terms the aesthetic feelings we have, the feelings of beauty, the feelings of, uh, you know, liking things or disliking things. I, I think this is one of the key tasks of the Max Planck Society and most of our in, in institutes are interdisciplinary and since they are being small, they obviously have to interact on a daily basis Right now in the United States, there's a, a particularly heavy debate about gender bias issues in science in terms of people who practice science. Women in science are still not hitting higher levels of professorships and things of that nature. There's questions about tenure track positions impacting women's abilities to have a family and them dropping out at that point. I wonder if these are issues that you've come up against in your institute and how you may have tackled some of them or, or if you have sort of general ideas about ways to, to tackle these problems? Uh, we are uh, in strong favor of a better gender balance and we have, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, taken a number of measures in order to improve, to improve that. The measurement that is helping us mostly, particularly at the level of the uh, leading professorships, uh, be it associate or full professor, is that we have come up with extra positions, fully funded, for women scientists and we, we will spend in the next couple of years 20 million to beef up the number and look specifically for uh, research leaders in the various fields that the Max Planck Society covers. So it is uh, of, uh, an issue that is uh, of utmost importance to us. Uh, we flank this like, like I think many places here with uh, you know, uh, childcare uh, other measurements, uh, maybe give extra money if someone wants to go to a meeting so that you have a nanny taking care of the kids. So we have a whole battery of flanking measurements, but the bottom line is, and this is key, we indeed produce more positions uh, for uh, women scientists at a, at a leading level. Another issue that's come up constantly in, in the uh, general, sort of general science area, it's sort of twofold. One is the the level of general science knowledge amongst the population and ways that that can be increased so that people understand the importance of what scientists do. And connected to that is the issue of communicating science in a way that's understandable to a general audience. So I wonder if you can talk about any thoughts you have on those topics and any initiatives you might have. If we do not take the public along in the long run, we will not get funded. So we have, we have to do our best to actually have outreach programs to go locally to schools, but also nationally or internationally to provide information to all kinds of target groups. And nowadays, uh, you can do this with many tools. Uh, you know, we have uh, uh, publications uh, for kids in high school. We have the internet uh, presence uh, using movie clips. Uh, so we, we have uh, basically uh, designed the, the internet appearance of Max Planck to uh, be able to address people from, let's say, maybe 15 to 30 years. We, we provide magazines uh, for the educated uh, people who are not uh, generally using internet. And you have to spread this information to the various levels of target groups. So since each target group has a different means of communicating, you'll have to use uh, different means of, uh, you know, transmitting the information. But the key issue is, yes, one has to invest a lot, one has to be active, 
So it's a, it's a wide spectrum, and we try to cover most of it. Uh, whether we succeed or not is, is hard to say, but the modern instruments, when I look at the feedback, I recognize that only 30% of our readers uh, are in Germany. The rest is spread all over the world. But this tells me we are not doing too badly as far as the spread of the information is concerned. Actually, I think that was all of my specific questions, but I thought I'd give you an opportunity if you wanted to talk about any um, issues or points that you wanted to bring up. Well, I, I, I can just say that uh, I hope that uh, the United States uh, continues to assume a leadership role in science, and this means uh, foremost that we view and the politicians view science research as investment, not as substitution. This is not something you can do without. Uh, it's a matter of you know, the more you fund, the better you're off also economically. I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us and it's been really informative and interesting speaking with you. Thank you. Likewise. Okay. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. This Pizza Lunch podcast was produced by Katie Lee Levinsky, web managing editor of Sigma Xi and American Scientist. The music is Spot by Arden Octopus, courtesy of Mevio's Music Alley. Thanks for listening. <laughs>